grace, mercy, and peace be unto you from God our Father and our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. Our text today is from Genesis 18, and Abraham said to the Lord, O Lord, do not be angry, I will speak again but once. Suppose ten are there. God answered, for the sake of ten, I will not destroy. Dear friends of Christ, have you ever heard of syphysis? Uh, Syphysis is is a a name that you use whenever something is frustrating and you keep trying to do something and it just ends out not working out well, but yet you keep trying and uh, you keep knocking your head against the wall. Syphysis is a character from Greek mythology and he was a king. Uh, kind of a crafty, deceitful king. Matter of fact, he was so crafty and deceitful that he was even able to deceive the Greek gods from time to time, which made them unhappy. They didn't like the Greek gods of literature, certainly did not like to be tricked. And so they got decided to get even with Syphysis, and they decided to punish him. And so what they did is they, they made him push a boulder up a mountain for all eternity. And the really frustrating thing is, as soon as Syphysis would get the boulder just to the top and almost be done, somehow that boulder would get away from him and roll all the way back down to the bottom of the hill and he'd start all over again. So futile the process for all eternity. Do you ever feel like Sisyphus when you're praying? You know, you, you pray to God and nothing happens, and you pray... And it doesn't matter how hard you push in prayer, you're stuck behind that boulder. And so you see the futility of it all, and and you feel that that frustration. And so eventually what happens is you say, gosh, if this is the way the Lord is going to answer my prayer, I'm going to quit praying. In our text today, God says, well, don't let that happen to you. Our text in, in Genesis and in Luke talk about our theme, persistent prayer pays. In our text today from Genesis, we see Abraham. He's a great example of persistent prayer as he stands before the Lord. And many of you are familiar with that account. Of course, we just read it. But uh, in that account, three people appear at Abraham's tent. Now, remember, um, you know, they were wanderers. And so they lived out of tents over there in Israel. And so these three visitors, two of them are angels. One of them is the Lord. And later, Abraham speaks to the Lord. The Lord here is Jesus. And you say, well, how could Jesus be talking to Abraham when he wasn't even born yet? Well, remember, Jesus always existed. So this was before he took on human flesh. And he appears as a messenger. That's what an angel means. He appears as the angel, the messenger of God. And there they are. They eat. They rest. Abraham feeds them. And the two angels take off to Sodom. Or Sodom Gomorrah. Uh, it's called Sodom for a reason. That whole word sodomy comes from them. And so wickedness and deception and crime, all kinds of bad things are happening there in Sodom, and the angels are going to find out exactly how bad it is. They have a purpose. And so there, the, the two leave to Sodom, and, and Abraham is left speaking with the Lord. And so there he is talking to Jesus. And and Abraham's very honest. He says, what are you doing here? And Jesus is honest back. He says, well, we're here to destroy 
Sodom and Gomorrah. Now this disturbed Abraham because, again, he saw God as being somebody who would not destroy something. Um, And what if there were Christians there? What if there were believers there? Well, that wouldn't be a good thing to do. Destroy the righteous with the wicked? And so Abraham, even though he knows these people are wicked, he knows their evil deeds. So he dealt with these people. But he didn't want to see them destroyed. And so he gets on his knees and he starts praying. And he prays, Dear Lord, what if there are 50 righteous? What if there are 50 believers in the city? 50 people whose sins have been washed away because they trust in you, because they believe in you, they're righteous. Would you really sweep away the whole city with 50 righteous people in it? And then the Lord answers, he says, for the sake of the 50, I won't destroy the whole city. Still, Abraham is not satisfied. He probably knew there weren't 50 believers in Sodom. (laughs) And so he gets persistent in prayer. Very humble, though, you see Abraham as he approaches the Lord. And it's almost like he puts his hand up, closes his eyes, and shields himself. He's talking with this angel that's in the form of a man. And he says, oh, Lord. 45? Oh Lord, what if there are 45? Oh, please don't get angry. Please don't get frustrated with me, but, but if you can be patient with me, would you, for the sake of 45, spare the city? And of course, the Lord answers. He says, oh Lord, don't mind my persistence. I, I hate to bother you again, but What about for the sake of 40? And then, what about 30, Lord? Don't want to test your patience. I don't want you being angry. I don't want you uh, getting so frustrated. But but for the sake of 30 believers in that town, would you destroy the whole city? And then Abraham bothered him for 20 and, and 10. For the sake of 10 righteous Would you destroy the whole city? And every time Abraham prayed persistently, the Lord answered with mercy. God's rich mercy. He wasn't only willing to just save the ten believers that were in the city, he was going to save the whole city for the sake of the ten believers. And so... Here we see how how Abraham, and he's humbly coming to the Lord. He's humbly pleading to the Lord. Now that I'm so bold, now that I'm so bold to speak to the Lord. It was bold for Abraham to speak to God that way. Speaking as if he expected some kind of answer. He, He expected the Lord to be merciful. He expected the Lord to hear his prayer, and yet he knew he didn't deserve it. And even admits that, he says, oh Lord, I'm but dust and ashes. I don't have any right to come to you in prayer. I don't have any right to make any requests of you. You are the Almighty. You are all perfect. And if you think Sodom and Gomorrah must be destroyed, then you have every reason to do so and every right. But oh Lord... 
for the sake of the righteous. And Abraham knew God's mercy. He knew Sodom and Gomorrah needed God's mercy because Abraham had received God's mercy. Abraham had received God's forgiveness. Abraham had been cleansed. Abraham needed Sodom and Gomorrah to see the mercy of God. But he knew that they wouldn't listen. He was concerned. And yet he prayed. You see, when we approach God's throne, when we pray... We have no right to do so. We have have no right to approach the creator of the universe. He has no right to hear our prayers, much less have the right to answer them. Because we are, by nature, sinful and unclean. And our sin-stained souls deserve the same kind of treatment that God was about to give to those wicked cities of Sodom and Gomorrah. We deserve that eternal punishment like Sisyphus who had to roll that that boulder up the mountain. But God has a worse form of punishment than rolling a stone up a mountain for all eternity. He has plans for those who don't receive the Lord's mercy through His grace. And Abraham understands. He understands what that means for the people of Sodom. He understands what that means for the people of Gomorrah. He didn't deserve to have the Lord answer his prayer. Not on the basis of Abraham's merits, but on the basis of God's mercy. Well, Abraham could trust in God's mercy. Abraham could lean on the mercy of God, and so he does. And the first thing we need to learn about persistent prayer is that when we go to the Lord, we plead for His mercy. Please have mercy upon them. Please have mercy upon us. That word mercy always needs to be unpacked because we say, what does mercy mean? Well, again, mercy means that God doesn't treat us the way we deserve. Grace, God's unconditional love. God loves you unconditionally. Mercy, He doesn't destroy you the way you should be destroyed. Oh, Lord, have mercy on us. And so the first thing we must learn about prayer is that we approach the Lord in humility. And a lot of people don't do that. When we go to the Lord, we know the Lord loves us. We know that the Lord uh, has sent His Son to die for us. We, we know that we are His children. And those are all true things. And so knowing that we are in good favor with the Lord, we go right up and and we start to make almost like we're insisting almost like uh you know we're getting kind of pushy uh, getting kind of demandy uh making demands with our prayers as if the lord expects uh, or uh, has every right to answer our prayer we expect the lord to tend to our needs as if he owes us something and he doesn't he doesn't us anything he doesn't even have to listen to our prayers our sinful hearts beat in unison with Sodom when we think God should serve us rather than us serving God as Christians get easily frustrated we seek the Lord in prayer, we pray, our answers aren't 
heard, at least not the way we want. We pray for remission, and the cancer still grows. We pray for a job, and the bills still pile up. We pray for a a spouse. We pray to get married, and the loneliness continues. That's why so many Christians get frustrated. That's why so many Christians get jaded when it comes to Christian prayer. They get jaded when it comes to God and prayer. People get angry, and they give up. You see, in our, in our foolish and our futile minds, what's the point? If we keep pushing the boulder up the hill and all it does is roll back down again. Persistent prayer requires humility. And that, the fact that God hears our prayer at all shows that He's merciful. So that's one thing we need to understand about persistent prayer. God is merciful. And Abraham, again, Abraham understood that. He knew the mercy of God. He knew that he was God's child and that God would listen to him because he was God's child. God would listen to him. The Lord would hear his prayer and and answer his prayer. And so that's how confidently Abraham approaches the Lord. He approaches the Lord because he believed. And, you know, he he knew God loved him. That's the way our children treat us. Our children ask for things, don't they? And why do they keep asking? Why don't they take no for an answer? Because they know that their parents love them. Mommy! Mommy, 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 can I have a cookie? And that's not enough, is it? Mommy, 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 can I have a cookie? Mommy, 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 mommy. And even in asking, they know from time to time, mommy's going to say, leave me alone. Mommy, 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 mommy. And God says, that's why I want you to pray. Because once again, you know that your God is merciful and that your Heavenly Father loves you. Don't you see, Abraham knew that too. And so as he talked to God, he knew, oh, Father, 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 don't get angry. Don't get angry. And he prayed, far be it from me to far be it from you to do such a thing, to kill the righteous with the wicked, treating the righteous and the wicked alike. Will not the judge of all the earth do what is right? Abraham trusted in love that God would not forsake his children. In our gospel lesson today, here we see Jesus again, and now he's speaking to his disciples and he's teaching us. And he says, this is how to pray, because the disciples had seen Jesus praying, the, praying, and he says, this is how to pray. Pray our Father who art in heaven, and he teaches them the Lord's Prayer. And, and then he says, ask the Lord, seek the Lord, knock on the doors of the Lord's throne. Ask, seek, knock. Just as confidently as Abraham did, and we can, because God is merciful to us, because we know we've been loved. We know we're his children 
And we know. You see this conversation that Abraham had with God had happened before. God looked down from his window in the sky and said, I created man, but I don't remember why. Nothing been fighting since creation day. Send a little water, I'm going to wash them all away. And the son, the son said, Father, what if there's one righteous person down there? What if there's one righteous? For the sake of one, would you spare them? And the father said, for the sake of one, I'll spare them all. And so Jesus comes. You see, he's the righteous one. And he comes down to the world, and and he takes on human flesh. And then he keeps all those rules, all those commandments that we break, and God, Jesus, kept every single one of them. And he lived in perfect obedience, became the perfect sacrifice, and he prayed persistently, Father, forgive them all. They don't know what they're doing for the sake of one. Save them. And Jesus prayed, nevertheless, not my will be done. Not my will, your will be done. And God's will was that Christ die. And he did, he died, he came, he pleaded, he died to save us. And Jesus is still pleading for you today. Christ's love changes the way we pray. Christ's love changes the way we approach God. We have received God's mercy. The one has come for the sake of the one. We're all here. For the sake of the one, we all have that opportunity to pray. You know, it's easy to be persistent in prayer when we have the promise. Jesus says in Luke, which of you fathers, if your son asks for a fish, will give him a snake instead? Or if your son asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? If you then, who are evil fathers, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give you the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? You ask the Lord for faith, don't you think he's going to give you faith? Or Jesus promised, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. Seek, ask, knock. And then, or John tells us, this is the confidence we have in approaching God. That if we ask anything according to His will, He hears us. Ask, seek, knock. Those are continued things. That's a habit, isn't it? Continue asking, continue seeking, continue knocking. Make prayer a habit. Prayer is a, is a spiritual DNA of a Christian. Ask, seek, knock. Does that mean God will always give you what you're praying for? No. But because we know our Father's mercy, it's better to trust in God and His wisdom. Because God knows what he's doing. Listen, how Paul encourages us. He calls on us to pray to him, to God, who is able to do more than anything we might ask or even imagine, according to God's power that's a work with us. You see, God, even if he doesn't give us what we ask, isn't just saying no. 
When we go to God and the answer isn't coming, it means God is giving us something better. Something more than we could imagine. Something more than we could ask. God answers our prayer beyond our limited mind, beyond our limited understanding, beyond our limited knowledge and power. And He answers our prayers according to His power. The Bible says a power that's work within us. Amen. And now may the peace of God that passes all understanding keep your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus unto life everlasting. Amen.